Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. And if you are a people pleaser, you're going to want to listen up today. If you've been told that you are a people pleaser, maybe you think you are, maybe you consider yourself a person with a servant's heart, which is a wonderful thing to have. Uh, We're going to try to differentiate the difference between a servant's heart and a people pleaser and how people pleasing can be destructive to you. I don't think there's uh, a lot that we're going to uh, hold back on today. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest, and we're going to talk about being a people pleaser today. Glenn, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, let's jump into this because I think I'm a little bit of a people pleaser. Um, and Rosie, you said you are, or you're a recovering one. So I think you've got a studio audience ready to go. <laughs> I got to love that. All right. I want to start off talking about the three problems with being a pleaser, and then we're going to talk about what to do instead at the second half. So, yeah. Um, so the first reason, um, the first problem with being a pleaser, and this is when I first really understood how much I had to quit doing this, is that um, when we say we're trying to please people, we're trying to be a pleaser, we sound like we're trying to be nice to other people or do good or help others, but all we're really doing is trying to make sure there's nobody who's displeased with us. So we act as if it's a sacrificial thing or a caring about other people thing, but really it's actually totally self-centered. I just don't want anybody to be mad at me. Hey, Glenn, where do you want to go to? Oh, I don't care. I don't know. What do you want? You know, suddenly IQ drops by about 100 points and you don't have a brain in your hand because you just don't want anybody to be upset with you. Because if you said Jerry's rib pit, which is where you'd want to go, <laughs> right. and others would say, I don't, I don't want to go to Jerry's rib I pit. I hate that place. Yeah, it's exactly. disgusting. So right. then you'd be That's facing a... someone's disapproval. Exactly. And then you don't want that. Exactly. So you play the middle of the road. I'll, well, I don't care whatever you want. Exactly. Yeah. Now, and I can do that dumb voice, too. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's good. <laughs> I didn't realize quite how dumb I sounded. Okay, so um, so here's a cool thing about that. If anybody listening feels like, oh, my gosh, that's true for me, I just want you to hear this really clearly. The Scriptures say that there's no condemnation in Christ, and that is so true. So if you hear us talking about being a pleaser today and you think, oh, my goodness, that's me, they're right. I need to quit doing that. I want you to hear that with no judgment, no condemnation, nothing. Jesus said the truth shall set you free. Yeah, and I think not free to shame yourself, not free to blame yourself, not free to wallow in self-pity, free to choose transformation. So if you think to yourself when we're speaking, oh, man, that's a little too close to home, I want you to just say that sentence to yourself, oh, I have been a pleaser with no judgment, nothing except just the truth. Because when God convicts me about something, I get total clarity, no condemnation. So I just hope people who are listening to this, if you feel like, oh, my goodness, I have been a pleaser, instead of using that as a way to judge yourself, just think, oh, okay, that's right. That's something I need to get better at. Okay, great. Good. Now you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You can go to glennpickering.com. He also, under the media tab on his website, he has produced the outline of today's discussion available for you to, out, uh, to uh, download or to go uh, follow along with us as well. Um, Glenn, so... 
when you are a pleaser, you say that nobody is actually ever pleased with us. Right. Since it, we right. are, what we are doing is nothing. Right. See, I just think when we're doing that pleaser thing, we're just doing what I call the passive form of playing the game of tag. And, you know, in the game of tag, I just don't want to be the bad one. I don't want to be it. I don't want anything to be my fault. And so by doing that, oh, I don't know. I don't care. What do you guys want? See, nothing's going to be my fault. Mm-hmm. If somebody says, hey, where should we go out? And somebody says Jerry's ribs, and we all go then that they burn rib the pit. food. Jerry's rib pit. I yeah, thank up. you. No, it's yeah, good. It's I like right. it. It's good. good. I want to go there. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> If so Gwen if wants we go, to go if there. we go there, only if Gwen wants to go only there. if Glenn says it's okay. <laughs> um, so let's say we go there and it's awful, and we all think it's dirty, it's icky, and the food's bad. Yeah. See, don't blame I'm me. I'm thinking to myself, see, not my fault. I didn't say that. I no, wouldn't have picked that. You go blaming me, Glenn. I, know, I, know, I will have none of that. <laughs> it's Bill's fault. He brought this up. So the thing about this is, I don't want to be disapproved, and I just don't want things to be my fault. Right. And I think, well, see, that's not pleasing anybody. It's totally self-centered. I don't want it to be disapproved of. I don't want things to be my fault. I don't want to do anything wrong. And um, which is why when we do that, nobody's ever actually pleased with us because we're not actually trying to please anybody. We're literally doing nothing. What do I contribute to the conversation when somebody says, hey, where do you want to go out to eat? I don't care. I don't know. What do you want? Like, I literally have contributed nothing to the conversation. It didn't move us forward. didn't move right. us backwards. Nothing. Right. But, and, um, but go ahead. But you think no one has disapproved of you, but secretly they're disapproving of you because they're going, you never suggest You're so anything. weak. You never say yeah, what you right, want. Right. What's the problem? So, Just speak up. For yeah. crying out so what's, what's, I'm the, wrong. what's the opposite of a, of a pleaser? Uh, in this situation, what would the non-pleaser say? A non-pleaser would just say... Let's go to Jerry's Red Pit. Thank you. Yeah. And No, no, no. A non-pleaser would get, this is my opinion, this is my thought, doesn't have to be the decision. Okay. That's different because otherwise we think we have to be like bossy, and that's not true. We get that messed up in our mind. Like, so, okay, to not be pleased, we have to say, we need to go to Jerry's Ribs because I want to. It's like, no, that's crazy. If we're a group of us talking and everybody says, well, here's something I'm kind of thinking about, and there are six of us, well, two or three of us are going to come up with something sort of similar, and the rest of the group might think, yeah, that actually does sound kind of good, mm-hmm. and then we're going to go there. But we're not going to go there because I said my opinion, so now it has to be my way. Where so many people who are recovering from being a pleaser go all the way to the other end and think, well, I'm going to go from not having where well, you have a voice and I don't. And if we're not careful, we just go to the other end of the continuum where now I have a voice and you don't. And we just need to be really careful about that. I'm just saying this is my thought, period. Glenn, it sounds like everyone's walking on eggshells. Uh, exactly. Um, if what? <laughs> I mean, if, if we've got someone who uh, is a pleaser mm-hmm. and they constantly say, well, I don't care where we go. Uh, right. And then the other person's frustrated that right. no one's offering a definitive suggestion, right. although I did, Jerry's rip hit, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no one is offering anything. Nothing's being communicated clearly. It sounds like right. everyone's kind of on eggshells. Right. right. Well, And then we're just all going to walk out of that conversation frustrated, like... Um, yeah. So the people who didn't speak up will be frustrated because they had an opinion and didn't share it. The people who are asking are frustrated because they asked a logical, real question and didn't get an answer out of someone who's afraid to just say where they want to go out to eat, which says me to me, we're never going to have a real relationship. If you don't even feel safe enough to me to just say where you might want to go out to eat, <laughs> right? we're not going to have a talk about anything that's real. Yeah. And so... We will all end up, whether we realize it or not, in some low level, just frustrated with the whole conversation, yeah. which is why it's not pleasing to anybody. Everybody will actually walk away from that conversation sort of frustrated. Glenn, could we take this to a, a deeper relational level? Yeah, great. Because I love the uh, example of a restaurant, but let's take it to a deeper relational level. Great. 
Um, let's say, for example, um, well, actually, let's even take it to a ministry level because this is actually helpful to me. Um, so the second reason why pleasing is not great is that it means we're trying to be nice instead of being good. So let me talk about that for a second, if okay. that's okay. Um, I used to think the opposite of being nice would be mean. And in the family I grew up in, that's what we believed. So I didn't want to be mean, so of course I had to be nice. But now I realize the opposite of nice is actually good. A nice person says they have a whole list of things they won't do. They don't say the wrong thing. They don't burp in church. They don't cut in line. There's a whole list of things they don't do. Whereas if someone's actually trying to be good, like Jesus, who's always trying to do good, then we're not just trying to avoid doing the wrong thing. We don't have a list of things we won't do. We're trying to make a positive, powerful difference on the wor- in the world. Like, we want to use our gifts to make a difference. And so... Um, so if you think about it from a relational perspective, if somebody says to me, oh, my daughter's going out with a guy, he's such a nice guy, I think, oh, golly, I hope that's not true. Because that's the person who stands for nothing, who's not trying to make the world a better place, who's not trying to use their gifts or talents, they're just trying not to make anybody upset. And I think, mm-hmm. this is not a good marriage partner, trust me. So even... I, I go think ahead. I get the idea of what they're saying, you know, uh-huh. a nice guy. Right, right, People right. want to be around nice people. Right. Uh, but I get what you're saying as well, too. Right. Um, Many times people who come to me for counseling after the first session or two, they claim they're different than any of the other counselors I've seen, which I'm thinking, yeah, they're not autistic. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> or any of my other struggles. But, but here's what they actually mean. All of their other counselors were nice. And when I first started doing counseling all those years ago, I was nice, too. And I quickly realized I was helping nobody. If two people were having an argument that I could see was going to go nowhere, but I was too nice to interrupt because one of the things nice people don't do, one of the things that's on their list of things not to do is you don't interrupt. That means even if you're watching somebody have a bad conversation with their partner and you know it's destructive and harmful, but you're not supposed to interrupt, well, then you just let that thing play out. And who knows how much of our time in that session they might waste just having that argument. They probably had 117 times at home already. They don't gain anything. So now because I maybe I get that I'm supposed to be good, not nice, I'm going to clip them off about five seconds in and say, this is not going to be helpful to you. Let's try that a different way. Not because I'm trying to be smart or any of that stuff. I just, I'm trying to be good. I want them to act to get something out of our time together that makes a positive difference in their life. Mm-hmm. All right, that's an important concept. I think we're going to chew on that a little bit more with okay, Dr. Greg Pickering. Yeah. If you are... A people pleaser. You're going to want to stay tuned. There's lots more uh, coming. And then also you go to uh, Glenn Pickering's website and he's got this page that he's produced for me, which is an outline of notes for today's talk called People Pleasing, July 28th. It's under the media tab on his website. He also offers a pretty sweet deal about halfway down the page if you want to schedule 20 minutes of conversation with him. Complimentary, you can do that. No strings attached. We'll uh, take a short break and be right back.
Welcome back to the show. So glad to have Dr. Glenn Pickering in studio with me. We're talking about people-pleasing. And if you've had a bout with that, or maybe it's a part of who you are, uh, it's always good to uh, look at how you live life and how you um, interact with other people. And sometimes being nice is you're not really expressing what you want and who you are to someone else, and they're not going to get to know you, and they're not going to hear your story as well if you always right. uh, are just nice. Right. And we also make a very poor witness. I mean, if people say, hey, Glenn, I, I know you're serious about your faith. I know you're Christian. Tell me a little bit about your journey. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about myself. I don't want to. Oh, well, then I had this story and this testimony about how God has changed my life in such powerful ways from the inside right. out. And they're not going to hear it. It's not no. going to bless them because I'm pretending I don't have a thought in my head. It's just, I mean, it's literally not helpful to anybody. And, um, and I think this a lot. You know, um, in Matthew 25, it tells a story about the you know, guy who got one talent and two talents and five talents. And the people who got two and five used them, and the one who got one talent didn't because he was afraid, so he buried it. And I just think, right, see, if we're trying to be nice, we're not using our talents. If I don't want to be wrong, if I don't want to make a mistake, you know what the best thing to do is? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Exactly what the guy with one talent did. I was afraid, so I did what with my talent? Nothing. And um, so it's just important, and we'll talk about this more as the show sort of rolls on, about how we really are called to use our talents. And if I'm nice, I'm so busy trying not to do the wrong thing that it really, really gets in the way of my trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. The listener suggests we're not supposed to be good, we're supposed to be holy. If that's a better word for you, go with it. Yeah. Cool. All right, let's... Uh... Um, let's continue to talk about um, just trying to keep ourselves out of trouble because I know that's that's a that's a, a part of people pleasing right. and you know I think it's so important that we like you talk about making a positive difference in the world so right. we have to suit up and show up right and speak our truth and share the gospel and right. uh, connect to people like God wants us to love one another and love our neighbor right and I think that's all a part of of being a a faithful follower of Jesus. It is. And, of course, the reason that's hard for us is that means there are some people who won't like us. Now, and so here's what I want to just talk, use it as a way to sort of segue into the sort of the third problem of being a pleaser. If we seek after approval, then we can never actually be loved. And it's really important to understand this. If we seek after approval, we can never actually be loved. Because being loved means somebody knows the real me, and it's connected to my real self. Let's see if I'm a pleaser. I'm always pretending to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. Presenting an imposter to the world. I know. Mm-hmm. And so I put on this little mask that I'm pretty sure everybody else will agree with or approve of or nod their head at. And, um, and I lose track of my own self altogether. I, I had a client once who said, Glenn, you should meet my brother sometime. I'm like, oh, yeah? How come? I mean, I had no idea what he was thinking. He said, oh, you would love my brother. I'm like, yeah, how come? Oh, everybody loves my brother. <laughs> and I said, well, then nobody must know him. And he looked at me first like I said something sacrilegious. <laughs> and then he looked puzzled. And then this sort of dawning understanding came over his face like, oh, right, I get it. My brother is whoever he thinks people want him to be. Who is my brother actually? We don't know. 
Well, see, I don't want to go through the world and have my epitaph on my gravesite said, uh, nobody ever knew Glenn. <laughs> we don't yeah. even know what his gifts were. Yeah. Well, I, but he always seemed nice. Right. I, I just don't want that to be my epitaph. I don't want that to be my legacy. And I think, um, I think, you know, that wanting to be approved of, that wanting everybody to like us, really does come out of childhood. Because think about when you were a kid. The one thing you don't want is to be different, right? Because other kids will make fun of you. You'll get all kinds of bad feedback about if you were that kind of clothes aren't the coolest. Or the, I mean, it doesn't even matter. If you do anything that makes you different, mm-hmm. you get treated in a very scornful sort of way. And so we learn early on it's really, really important to fit in. But see, the problem with that is if I'm a Christian, I don't fit in. When it says in Romans 12, too, that we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, I think, wait. See, our childish part of ourselves wants to conform, be exactly the same as everybody else, so that we don't get judged or condemned or criticized or made fun of. And it's important to understand, yeah, when you're five or 15, I get it. That's all true. But there comes a point where we have to think, okay, as I grow into adulthood, a huge part of that is really reclaiming my gifts claiming what makes me unique, claiming who I am in Christ, and then really, really trying to live from that place. Now, so if I'm willing to drop the mask so I look the way everybody thinks I should look and instead show up as my real self, there are, of course, now people who will actually love me because they have a chance to see my real self and connect to that guy. But, of course, there are people who will not. And I was sort of kidding with you before we came on the show about that that puts me in good company because <laughs> every time Jesus said something, <laughs> there are people who are so powerfully touched by that, so moved by that, so transformed. And there were people who found some of the things he said real irritating because he was just trying to be his purest, truest God self. And anytime we show up as our true self, we're not going to be approved of. There's going to be a whole bunch of people who really, really like that person There's going to be some people who really, really don't like that person, and there will be a bunch of people in the middle who don't really care. (laughs) And that's just always going to be true. And so if I think I have to have everybody like me, like that childish thought about it's really important that everybody likes me, see, I can never show up as my real self, which means I can't be loved because I I have to settle for being sort of approved of, and I can't do ministry. Because a big part of being ministry is about claiming our own precious self as we are, each with our own unique gifts, as Paul talks about over and over again. And so I have to be willing to be my unique self, not the self that fits in with everybody else. And as soon as I want to fit in with everybody else, I really am just being conformed to this world, exactly what Paul tells us not to do. Mm-hmm. And my, my usefulness in ministry pretty much vanishes. Do you think there's people that feel a certain amount of pressure when they show up for church, when people say, hi, you doing, Glenn? Oh, fine, everything's great with me. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Super super great. Absolutely. When you then find out that things aren't great with Glenn. Yeah, except for marriage that's falling apart and my kid's in the hospital. But other than that, everything's good. But you don't want to project something that is um, not great. uh, Right, like somehow... get into some bad habits. Right, there's somehow there's something wrong with admitting we have struggles. And I think... Read any of the Psalms. <laughs> they start off by claiming the struggle, right. by being honest, by saying, here's my heart, here's where it's hard for me, here's what I'm not getting, here's where I feel really abandoned. How do I understand that? And they're so honest about the struggle. And I just think, wait. Yeah. I, I, 
the reason why we have to be ourselves if we want to be loved is this. I really have come to understand this. We connect on the level of our struggles because we all have similar struggles, which I'll talk about in a second. So if I bump into John at church and I say, hey, John, how's it going? Oh, everything's great with me. Everything's perfect. I think, okay, I might even be a little jealous, but I don't feel connected to him. But if I say, hey, John, how's it going? Well, pretty well, but you know, my teenage daughter, sometimes, honestly, I just want to tear my hair out of my head. I think I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we just have a connection there. When we share our struggles, we connect with one another. And so we always talk about sort of the one body of Christ, how we're all part of the body of Christ, about there's a sort of oneness about us. But see, where we're actually one is at the level of our struggles. We all have very, very, very similar lessons that we're going to go through, that we need to learn in this life, that we need to overcome. And so, um, and so we connect on the level of our struggles. So we're all different ages and sizes and weights and colors and genders and all that other kind of stuff. So on the surface, we're all totally different. But underneath all that, in the terms of the things we're struggling with, the things we're learning, the things that are hard for us, the things we've overcome are so similar. And so if I really want to be at one with somebody, if I really want to be connected to somebody, if I really want to love somebody, we connect on the level of our struggles. Mm-hmm. And if I have to pretend I don't have any, well, then I'm very, very, very limited in my ability to connect with others or to be part of community or to experience the oneness that Christ is always talking about. You know, Glenn, in this job, I want to lead people to Christ and nurture them in their faith. Right. And as a little bit of a pleaser myself, when you have somebody that will write me and say, I, I, I disagree with something that was said on your show. And of course, the people pleaser in me always wants to find out more about their feelings and what was in their heart and how they they understood it. Right, sure. Usually there's a response that includes additional information about them in their life. Right. And it just completely melts me. Exactly. Like, oh, once, thank you for telling right, me that. Exactly. Because once we understand the struggle they're going through, yeah. we're going to think, oh, that makes perfect sense. I've either been through that struggle, yeah. or I'm in that struggle, or I can see that at some point I will be with that struggle because right. we go through a very, very similar journey. Yeah. It's just so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. We do connect at our, at our point of struggles. And right. There's so much fellowship there. Right. Yep. That's why now if I go to a Bible study and all that's going to happen is somebody's going to tell me why they think this, I mean what they think that passage means or whatever, I, I don't want to go anymore. I want to go to Bible studies where people say, here's how that passage spoke to me. Mm. Here's this part of the journey I'm on. Here's a struggle I'm having, how helpful this passage was because it addressed that struggle I'm having so clearly. I want to hear that. Yeah, that's great. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You go to glennpickering.com. You can learn more about Glenn, his counseling, and uh, his books. And also, he's got a outline for today's uh, discussion, which is under the media tab. You can download it and print it or just look at it if you like. He also has a wonderful offer about midway down the page if you want to connect with him for 20 minutes. He's happy to do that. A complimentary visit, no strings attached. It's a pretty sweet deal. After a short break, we'll be back with Dr. Glenn Pickering and we continue our discussion on people-pleasing. Dr. Glenn Pickering in studio, and we're talking about the problems with being a, a pleaser. If you're a, a people pleaser, you know that there's probably problems. 
or things that uh, are creating trouble for you. And I said to Glenn, if you're going to talk about problems, you better have some answers. Yeah. <laughs> you better come up with the, the Christian alternative because otherwise you're a bad person. This is you're what it I for sure. demand that, on this that's show. Right, that's right. I'm just not going to hang people out there. I want some answers. Yeah. So one last thought about the struggle with pleasing versus or approval as opposed to letting people actually love the real you is this: if I'm going to if I'm not pleased, if I just get enough people who approve of me, I don't feel very good about myself on the inside. But if I just get enough people who pat me in the back and tell me how great I am on the outside, I'll feel better about myself. But see, that's really a trap because here's what actually happens. If I sort of fake it, I put on that mask where everybody approves of me and they pat me on the back and say, oh, Glenn, you're such a good guy. See, it doesn't actually make me feel good. It just leaves me with a really strong feeling about, yeah, but if you knew the real me, you wouldn't think that. And so even our attempts to get that approval, thinking that it will make us feel better about ourselves on the inside, it actually has, in the long term, exactly the opposite effect. We just actually feel worse about ourselves. Like even more like, okay, I really, really can't let the real me show because you wouldn't like that guy. Mm -hmm. And we get more into that whole approval pattern and that cycle, which is so destructive. All right, before we move on to some of the Christian alternatives, I, I was just thinking of the person who's not a people pleaser, who might even be a bully. Oh, yeah. And that doesn't feel good either. No. I, I don't even want to ask where do you want to go for dinner because that bill guy is going to say Jerry's barbecue pit and I can't Not stand that again. place. Again, that guy terrible just makes time. me nuts. Right. Now, and here's what you always find pleasers tend to be in relationships with people sort of like that, maybe a mild version of it, but, but kind of like that. And because um, I love to talk in my seminars about how we get in relationships with people who have very similar strengths to ours and the flip side of our weakness. So if my weakness is I don't speak up, I'm a pleaser, I don't want to say anything wrong, so I don't really say anything about what I ex- want or expect, I will almost always find myself in a relationship with someone who's sort of dominant and expects everything to be their way. We sort of find each other in a way that's not very helpful to either of us, and um, which is why when people say, well, Glenn, I've been divorced, what's your recommendation on dating? I think work like crazy on whatever you contributed to that thing going wrong. Because unless you do that, you're just going to marry someone who's just like the last person. <laughs> because we marry some of the flip side of our weaknesses. So if I'm not willing to address my weaknesses, go come before God, let God really show me what those might be, start working my tail off in transformation, just going to marry the same person over again. Because I'm half of how that thing went the way it went. <laughs> right. So I can say, oh, that other person's so controlling, such a bully, everything has to be their way. And that's probably half of what's true. The other half is I sort of drift towards those kind of people because then I never have to speak up. I never have to say what I'm thinking, and I'm never wrong. So until I get over my fear of being wrong, I'm just going to pick that person again. So well, if the person is a bully and a narcissist, and uh, I know that it's a, a 50-50 relationship, sure. according to what you teach, uh, there is people are going to feel very uh, hurt by that. Well. My hope for the, anybody who is thinking maybe you're hurt by that, um, I hope you hear this as clearly as I can say it. I don't want that to be hurtful. I want that to be liberating. And here's what I mean. When I really, if I really believe that every problem in the relationship is the other person's fault and if they would just get it together, I'd be okay. That means I have no power in the relationship. I have no ability to shift it. But as soon as I get, oh, I'm half of the people who are keeping this going. And I can shift this whole dynamic by changing my half. 
See, I want that to be empowering to you, not shaming, not blaming, nothing. I just want you to understand it clearly. Just let God show you how clear it is. And then I just want you to use that as a way to empower yourself to actually choose transformation. That's why I said when Jesus said, the truth shall set you free. I think, yeah, not free to blame yourself, not free to blame the other one, free to choose transformation. Mm Because once I get what my half is, I now have a lot of power. I can literally change that relationship by being different from my half. Mm. So... My hope is if you think, oh my gosh, I am that pleaser person, I don't want you to feel bad about it. I don't want you to blame yourself. I just want you to think, okay, yeah, I need to be different. Okay, I'm excited to get to the, the alternatives. Okay, this cool. is exciting to me. Great. So three things we need to understand if we're going to really, really build our life in a Christ-like sort of way to not be a pleaser. One, we have to understand who God actually is. And here's what I mean. There's an old joke about how, you know, God created us in God's image. And so we uh, return the favor by creating God in our image. And we just see God as a bigger version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think the scriptures are so clear. That's not true. At all. No. <laughs> so there are like 87 places in this, just in the Psalms, that talk about God's steadfast love. Which means that's a love that never changes. See, there's no human love that doesn't change over time. <laughs> you irritate me. I think I don't love you. You know what I mean? I mean, we, we're all over the map. There's a love that is so powerful and so deep that looks at us every single minute of every single day and thinks, oh, there's my precious little one. Every moment of every day. That's who God is. So I don't need to earn that. I don't need to deserve it. I don't need to fix it. It's just a gift. And we become a Christian for real the instant we get that that's true. That I'm loved in a way that's an absolute, total gift. And I have to be willing to understand that's who God actually is, the one who gives me that gift. Because until I get that that's true, see, I think I need to prove that I'm okay or get other people's approval or prove that I'm not a bad person. But see, if I really get who God is, the one who loves me relentlessly, consistently, and absolutely perfectly every second of every day, I think, oh, there's nothing to earn. There's nothing to win. There's not, I don't need to convince God. I already am perfect and precious in his sight. Now, I talk to people about this all the time. We need to understand that God looks at each of us and thinks, you're precious to me, but you're not special. Because see, as soon as we think we're special, that means we somehow earned it, and then it's not really a gift, and it messes up the whole thing. <laughs> I'm precious to God in exactly the same way every one of us children is precious to God to exactly the same degree at the same moment all the time. <laughs> so I'm precious in a way that's a total gift by a God who loves me just exactly as I am, period. And in order for me to not fall into the pleasing thing, the first thing I need to understand is that that's true. The God I meet in prayer, the God I meet when I'm started crying because I was singing such a beautiful song in church, the God I meet when I just notice the amazing creation around me, I think, oh, my goodness. The God I experience when I hold my little granddaughter in my arms, I think, oh, my gosh, I love you so much. That God is who God actually is. Not the one we make up, that one. So step one, get to know the real God. And now I notice that some people, <laughs> I, well, I'll just say what I think. Some people are somehow gotten the um, fear of the month club where every month there's a new thing that they're supposed to be afraid of. And I just think, see, that's not a Christian club, although a lot of them call themselves Christians. I think, no, no, no. The club we need to be in is that God loves me consistently, constantly, every single minute without changing club. 
I don't need to judge myself, and I don't need to judge anybody else. All I have to do is accept this amazing gift that's been given to me, because that's who God actually is. My pastor, a former pastor, only preached this great sermon on the prodigal son, and he talked about how um, the prodigal son and his brother are equally important in this story. The prodigal son thinks, you know, um, I've done so many messed up things. My father probably won't even want me back. At most, I can come back as a servant. The pastor was saying, the prodigal son proves us there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. And the oldest son thinks, why are you getting that kind of treatment? Look at everything I've done. And he was saying, and the oldest son is in that story to help us understand, and there's nothing you do to make God love you more. It's not negotiable. You don't get to be in charge of it. (laughs) One of my books I wrote a long time ago, that the only thing harder for me than letting go of control is admitting I never had any. We just so want it to be about us, but it's just not. So we need to do everything we can to really, really connect with that God who loves us exactly as we are. Step one, if I'm not willing to get that step right, nothing else works because I don't actually have a faith. I just have a list of rules I think I have to live by. That is what it means to have a relationship with a God who loves us. So um, I think this all the time. This is the, the Pharisees' mistake as nearly as I can tell. Their goal is our beginning point, and here's what I mean. I can just imagine the Pharisees having a conversation with Jesus, like, okay, Jesus, we have this whole thing figured out. We just know if we do all the right festivals and all the right days and we give the right amount of money and we say the right things and we bow to the temple at the right times and we say the right things in the right places, then God will love us. I can just imagine Jesus looking at them and thinking, what if he already does? (laughs) But the good news is that's not the goal. That's the starting place. Mm -hmm. Since God loves me like crazy... How should I live my life? How do I tell other people? How do I share that love with everybody else? See, it just gives you a whole different list of questions if you get that that's the starting place, not the goal. So first we have to understand, love is not something we earn. Not human love, not God's love. It's a gift. If I'm just myself, then the people who love me, that's a gift. Every time in prayer and I experience God's care for me, that's a gift. And I just need to understand, that's what love actually looks like. It can't be earned. It can't be, you can't trick people into loving you, control people into loving you, manipulate people into loving you. They do or they don't. And it's the same with God. God has just already decided that. And so I've, there's nothing people can do to make me not worthy of that. And there's nothing I can do to make myself not worthy of that. God has already decided that's who I am. And so step one of not being selected in approval is just to be so rock solid, clear who God actually is. Mm -hmm. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We're talking about people pleasing. And if that is you, I know you're learning a lot as I am as well. And Glenn, this is quite helpful that we start to understand God's steadfast love. And I think we need to remind ourselves daily. That's why I think it's so important to be in the Psalms almost every day. Right. I think You're going to be reminded. Right. Listen to good, inspiring Christian songs. Yeah. Take a moment to just be prayerfully quiet. Feel God's gentle presence around you. All those things that bring us back to what's true are so important. Mm-hmm. If there is a person that is struggling with a cycle of uh, people-pleasing because they're trying to always, they're looking at uh, comparing themselves to other people, right. uh, how their family situation looks, how their kids look, how their their job performance is, they're in this cycle of trying to please not only at home, but at work, at church, on committees, right. and they're exhausted. Right, because they start with the assumption, the truth about me, that I'm not good enough. And I have to prove that that's wrong. 
And I just think this is literally, this is why this is so core to the Christian faith. So here are Adam and Eve in the garden, living this perfect life in perfect harmony with each other in the world. And the serpent comes along and convinces them, actually, there's something fundamentally wrong with you. You don't even know the difference between good and evil. And because they believe that lie, they can no longer live in the garden. We can either believe the truth that God says, you are perfect in my sight, exactly as we're told, or we can believe this, but really the serpent is right and that really we're not good enough. There's something fundamentally wrong with us. And which will lead to all that pleasing that I think I have to earn people's love. I have to earn God's respect. I have to, it's like, see, I can't start from that satanic place that Glenn, there's something wrong with you and live a godly life. Yeah. Well, these are, you're talking about people who have come to faith in Christ. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because before you come to faith, there is something wrong with you and you are a well, sinful person. See, here's the thing. It's just that believed. you, it's just that you think there's something wrong with you, but that belief will literally destroy your life. Like, God didn't start loving me the day I became a Christian. I became a Christian the day I realized that God loved me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, we got to get that in the right order. Right. Oh, I agree. Because that love was always there. And when I finally turned to it and I opened my heart and accepted and think, oh, my gosh, this is the greatest gift I've ever been given. Right. That's the day I become a Christian. Right, right. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We'll take a little break. We're going to come back and talk more about people-pleasing. Glenn's uh, website has this the notes from today under the media tab. You can check them out, look at it. Look at them online or download them if you want personal copy. Also, he's got a great offer if you want to chat with him on the phone for 20 minutes. He'd be happy to do that. No strings attached, uh, free of charge. We'll be right back. Google just sent me a notice saying 31,000 people have just Googled Jerry's rib pit. (laughs) I just made that up. There's no such place. Stop looking. There's no place as Jerry's rib pit. Thank you for thank you for Googling that. Yes, I I own 20 percent of that restaurant, so I I appreciate the support. Yes, yeah. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We're talking about being a pleaser, and I know this is uh, hitting uh, connecting with a lot of people because a lot of us are that. Let's talk about our unique gifts that we need to use for others. Okay, cool. Let me talk about one thing just before that, if that's okay. So step one, so the three things we need to do if we want to break out of that pattern. First, we have to really get who God actually is, the one who loves us unconditionally, sure. relentlessly at every single moment. Second, we need to accept that gift and then see other people through those same eyes. Now, here's why that's important. See, if I think I need your approval, I don't actually see you. I don't see what you need. I see something I need from you. Say that again. Nope. I'm going to okay. be more and more like Jesus. I'm going okay. to say short things and leave town. All right. No, I think... Um, I just I, want to... I kind of want to hear that again. Yeah, okay. So here's what I mean. First on the ball, I need to accept the gift that is God's love and just get... That's what God okay, actually Okay, I got that is. part. Yeah. Second, I need to see other people through those same eyes that they are also amazing and so incredible. Yes. Now, and here's how come... If I'm seeking your approval, I don't actually see you. I see a potential source for approval. 
Oh, okay. I, so I don't I even see you as a person. I get it. Something closer to a vending machine. Yeah. I'm looking for an outcome. Yes. I'm not seeing I a was, person. I'm seeing right. an outcome. I'm not seeing you or what you need or even what your struggles are, which we could actually connect on that level. I'm just saying what I think I need from you. And that would be about me, wouldn't it? Right, right. We, if I'm seeking an outcome from you. Right, exactly. It's all about you, and it turns me into something more of an object than a person. Commodity. Yes, thank you. Perfect. That's a great way to say that. So, um, I knew there was a reason why I liked you. Okay, yeah, so, um, so I'm thinking, but see, so I need to understand who I am in God's sight, and then I need to start really, really prayerfully seeing other people in that same way as my dear brother and sister who are so precious to me, who are so perfect in God's sight, who I am called to care for. Not to take something from, how to care for. Mm. And there's a fundamental shift there from sort of that, sort of, I need to take something from you to realize I have something to give to you. And the most fundamental thing I had to give to you is to see you for who you actually are. If you ask anybody, hey, who are the three favorite people in your life? And they name them. And you say, what's the one thing those three people have in common? They're going to say, make me feel great about myself. Right. Because we have that powerful gift to others. If we, even without saying it out loud, if we just look at them and think, you are amazing. You are really great. You are a precious child of our God. And I want to see God's light literally shining off of you. Trust me, that will radically affect the way we do that relationship. And trust me, that other person can feel that, like right down to their toenails. So it's really important if I'm going to quit being a pleaser, think, okay, what am I going to do instead? And part of it is to first start with knowing how much God loves me because I, I can't do it under my own power. There's no way. So I have to start off really, really soaking up God's love, which is why when the Pharisees ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? I love that he cheats and gives them two because these two go together. First, I love God with my whole heart. First, I have to get filled up with that love that loves me like crazy. Then I had that ability to love my neighbor as myself. But until I'm filled up with that love, I don't have that ability. So step two is to really, really start seeing the other people in my life through God's eyes. Like you are precious. You are amazing. And here's the cool thing. Even the people we don't like are amazing in their own way. Now, they also probably have some habits that bug us. But the truth is, if we're willing to just take just one second and see them through God's eyes, we're going to think, oh, yeah, you do do some things that bug me. That's true. And, and you really are amazing in your own way. And there's just like there's a miracle that happens when I accept God's love for me, there's a miracle that happens when I accept them for who they are. Just really see them for who they are and think, yeah, I see that. I see all of that. It's a powerful thing that happens then. And I quit pleasing, which is all about myself, and start caring for other people in a whole powerful way, which is, um, how can I say Sometimes when people say, Glenn, how can I stop doing X, Y, or Z? My first question is, what are you going to do instead? Because I can't actually just stop doing something. That's like, hey, Glenn, don't even think about that pink elephant. (laughs) It's the only thing I can think about unless I clearly focus on something better. Well, I can't stop pleasing. I have to focus on something better. I'm accepting God's love for me, number one. Two, really seeing other people through those eyes to really understand, wow, you are your own amazing self. And I want to treat you like that's true. Instead of treating you like you are something I need from you. Hmm. Yeah, so if that's the lens that we go out into the world with, that I'm going to look at who you are and God loves you. Right. And I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to be something for you. Right. Is that, in essence, trying to be a pleaser, though? 
Because mm-hmm. here's the difference. See, a pleaser thinks, I need your approval to feel okay. Mm-hmm. If I'm filled with God's love, I know I'm okay already. And so I'm feeding you out of my overflow. I'm not gotcha. using you to fill me up. I'm already full. Your I'm cup is you, full and you're yeah, splashing on others. giving you my leftovers, right. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't even matter to me then whether you accept what I'm offering you or not. And so Jesus talked about the sower. We're just supposed to keep sowing. We're supposed to keep being that caring person who shows out. And some people will get it and some people won't. And some people seem like they don't get it, but then they will. But none of that's my business. Mm-hmm. My business is love them as they are. They keep sowing those seeds. Stuff will happen. What will happen? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. All right. Um, let's, we've only got about three minutes left. Yep. Okay. So, so, number, how so do we finish? So number two, one, we have to accept God's love. Number two, we have to see other people that same way. Three, we need to be good, as I was talking about earlier in the show, instead of nice, which means instead of not using my gifts because I'm afraid of offending somebody, I need to ask myself, what are my unique gifts? And how am I going to use them to make a difference in the world? Yes. And Paul's always talking about Corinthians and so many places about, you know, we're all different parts of the body. We can't all be the eyes. We can't all be the nose. We each have our different role to play in the body of Christ. And so part of accepting our unique gifts is instead of like being like that child who wants approval by fitting in and being like the same as everybody else, we literally have to boldly claim what's different about us, what's unique about us, the way that we're gifted differently than anybody else is gifted. And, um... And we claim those gifts not as a ego thing, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me, but to understand we're all gifted. So my being gifted doesn't make me any different than you. You're gifted also to exactly the same degree. We just have a different set of gifts. And each of us, if we're going to be that body of Christ or part of it, need to really, really claim our gifts, including the ones that make us weirdly different. So um, one of the things my wife Gwen does that's super helpful to me, so thank you, Gwen, on the air. Um. You know, we both know I'm autistic, so that's no secret. So does anybody who's met me for about 10 minutes. But <laughs> but she often talks to me about how, Glenn, I get that being autistic has created problems for you. But it has also created some really, really, I mean, there are strengths to that. You're super smart. You're really analytical. You can listen to clients talk for a few minutes and summarize that in one or two sentences in a way that makes them think, oh, my gosh, that was what I was trying to say. I don't know how you do that. You get to the heart of things so quickly. You're so logical. You can say things to people that are really maybe a little hard to hear, but you don't say it harshly. You don't say it meanly. You just sort of say it factually in a way that they can think, oh, golly, maybe that's right. That's your oddness in all of its glory. Exactly. And so if instead of trying to fit in and be like everybody else, if we're willing to actually claim our unique gifts, some of which make us sort of weirdly different than other people, to be honest— but we're willing to claim those gifts. We can do amazing things for the kingdom. Yeah. And suddenly the, this, the emphasis shifts from how do I get my needs met to how can I use my gifts in a way that makes a powerful difference in the yeah. world. And we're back to being good instead of nice. And by saying oddness, I meant that in a complimentary way. Well, I hope you, you know. I'm, I'm with it. Because <laughs> I love quirky people. Uh-huh. Right. And I think the quirkier they are, the, the more true they are to themselves. Right. And those are more interesting people for Way the most more part. interesting for me. Yep. I'm thinking that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been a great hour, Glenn. I, I know Thank that um, I know a lot of people have texted in saying, yep, you're, you're striking a chord with me because I struggle with being a people pleaser. And right. I don't want you to feel exhausted. I want you to feel refreshed in God's love right. and go exactly. out into the world with a, a full tank right. that to, you can share with others. Right. To just understand it's not yeah. your job to fix anybody else. Yeah. It's just your job to accept the love that God has for you. And they share that love with other people in whatever way your giftedness would lead you to do. Yeah. And then you're, uh, by trying to be a pleaser, you're trying to avoid disapproval. 
right? Yeah. Instead of seeking to make a powerful difference in the yes. world. And we are literally called to go out into the world so and make a difference. So let's go on the offense a little yes, bit, right? absolutely. Yeah, make a positive difference for the kingdom right, with exactly. the gifts that God has given you. Right, exactly. As yeah. opposed to thinking, I'm afraid to do it wrong. How's that for summarizing? Uh-huh. I like it. You're I didn't good. do too bad. You're good at this yeah. job. I like oh, it. Thank you very much. You should maybe be in radio. I'm thinking about it. Um, that's the time we have for Glenn, and I'm always uh, glad to have him here, and we uh, the hour always passes quickly. And if you missed any of this, I would recommend starting at uh, the beginning. You can hit the uh, start button on the podcast tonight when it comes available. And, of course, that's at MyFaithRadio.com. That's probably redundant, but I'll say it anyway. (laughs) And he also, under uh, the media page on his website, which is GlennPickering.com. That's Glenn with two N's, G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G.com. That's Glenn's website, and he offers uh, a pretty rosy deal. Uh, about halfway down the page, he said, hey, if you want to talk to me for like 20 minutes, I'll do it. Complimentary. You can, no strings attached. I'm not going to bug you or send you stuff or write. There's right. no Absolutely. weird emails that come after That's that. Right. So yeah, it's all uh-huh. good. <laughs> and uh, you can uh, just go to glennpickering.com. That uh, is all the time we have with Glenn. But when we come back, uh, the Sunburnt series will continue with Dr. Peter Kapsner. We're going to talk to Dr. Ian Paul all the way from the UK. We're going to delve into the book of Mark. You're going to love this. I'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.